0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing
1: gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Courtesy of uh, Brandt, your local John Deere equipment and supplier, uh, we say Morena to you, New Zealand, and uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to us for the next three hours uh, in a show which contains. A bit of a review, actually, it's being a Monday. Uh, Mark Hinton will come into us. He's a tough senior sports writer uh, who wrote uh, an interesting article covering the uh, Blues against the Moana Pacifica. So we'll talk to Mark about that game and other action over the weekend. Uh, we'll have uh, just a little review of the Black Caps having at least some success uh, against Pakistan in the fifth one-day international, knocking them over and winning by 47 runs, which was uh, a nice result. Uh, Steve Davis, of course, uh, Steve Davis, uh, we're know, well known to racing people. Uh, Of course, uh, probably the the, uh, best, the premier um, auctioneer of um, thoroughbreds in the world uh, is also a director on the New Zealand Racing Hall of Fame. They had a function last night and they've got some new inductees for the year of 2023. We'll ask Steve about that. Uh, David Dome, the Wellington Phoenix general manager. Yes, uh, Phoenix side were knocked out of the A-League finals uh, with a 2-0 loss to Adelaide United. We'll talk to David. David um, about uh, various things with the Phoenix and also uh, they've named um, for the women's Phoenix, side. they've named their third coach in I think three years or four years Paul Temple coming in anyway as the new coach. Mark Watson and Graham Beasley will be on the panel this morning at uh, 20 past 10 Greg Alexander will be with us at uh, just after uh, 11 o'clock to look at uh, the NRL over the weekend. We'll have a stump smithy which is uh, back to 50 bucks this weekend and I look forward to receiving your texts on double eight double three. If you've got anything you'd like to talk to us about in person, our phone number is 0800 150
3: Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon.
2: Well, I'm not sure it would ever happen, an investigation into refereeing standards. But Jason Paris's, uh, and he's the CEO of One New Zealand, comments uh, on social media that alleged league referees were betting money against the Warriors and had conspired to reduce them to 12 players are interesting and controversial. Uh, and it'll be, remain to be seen uh, if there's any action over them. But if what we're saying over a few beers on Saturday night in the pub is pretty similar, not so much the betting side of it, but aren't we? all getting just a little sick of it the one rule for one and a different interpretation for the other is the same set of circumstances it is driving us all nuts isn't it warriors fans the long-term ones have been bemoaning these issues for decades not years and it is worth making noise about up until now andrew webster has uh, looked only at his own team's performance when summing up results but his quip to the media about stumping up for his fine at his post-match press conference was very indicative at what he was witnessing out of the glass box at Suncorp. Even he has had a gutsful, it seems. And after years of getting the arse end of decisions at Australia by Australian umpires, I kind of get where he's coming from. There will no doubt reply about ours and with some justification, it could be said. Uh, for a high profile CEO to make it public though, through social media, not just over a coffee or around the water cooler at work, tis quite fascinating. And if the league refs will take little notice of said comments, and they probably should then maybe their rugby buddies should take a passing interest in the professor's comments and actions over theirs changing the channel at half time to go to a documentary says much in itself about a man who loves rugby and has made a great life out of it he reads the game beautifully he reads the referees and their inconsistencies even better we're talking about Wayne Smith here spot on we've been saying it for years He's been thinking it now, at least he's saying it too. Stick your arms and your whistles away and go back to watching traffic. what a great result that was for Fiji and Drua not so much for the Hurricanes but it's a great result for the competition. Week 11 of Super Rugby Pacific brought to uh, some interesting results. Uh, not only the, uh, the Drua knocking over the Hurricanes again beating a New Zealand team on their turf. and Moana Pacifica came also close and uh, I guess what you'd say is the local derby against the Blues at Eden Park. Well Jordan proved he still got it and the Chiefs just keep on rolling on. Concerns too for the Highlanders Now to get uh, the morning going Is Stuff's senior sports writer Mark Hinton with uh, his uh, views Uh, Mark, good morning to you Uh, I wonder if you, did you read the comments About Wayne Smith turning off rugby For the first time ever And watching a documentary for the second half
4: Yeah, Smithy uh, Morning to you too And good to be back on with you And I just did read Wayne Smith's comments uh With much interest, and I think you know this was really a case of him verbalizing what we what we all think uh wasn't it? I mean, I heard you mention it in your sermon um uh you know the amount of uh of whistle the amount of control the refs have in these games these days, the amount of influence they have um and just you know i guess the stop start nature of play as a result of that certainly affects the spectacle. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, some, some matches are worse than others, some referees are worse than others, but Smithy I think hits the nail right on the head when he talk when he, well he, he used that specific game, the Highlanders Force game, um, as an example of um just be you know, a rugby loving guy being so frustrated by what he was being served up. So yeah, um you you suspect Smithy that as um as I guess Super Rugby looks to take a bit of control, shall we say, over its product, this will be another thing that gets addressed. You know, they've um, they've got into I guess more ball and play time, speeding up certain aspects of the game. That's helped, no doubt. And you have to think, <laughs> Smithy's point about the uh, you know the influence that refs have will won't be far behind being addressed in some form or other. Um, if not just at a super rugby level, certainly at a game level uh, worldwide, because, um, yeah, we can't have rugby people, we can't have ra- rugby loving people being turned off their own game, can we? And, uh, you know, let's face it, we all trust that man's judgment, don't we?
2: We do. We do. Uh, we absolutely do. And,. Um, um... As I said, I mean, I laughed at it initially, and then I thought, yeah, um, perhaps it's not a laughing issue. Uh, right? Okay. Uh, let's look at uh, Moana Pacifica and uh, the Blues. I read your article uh, covering the game there. Uh, interesting. Uh, I suppose the referee there was—he uh, he, was—he really had to give a, a penalty try, but shame really for the end result for, of that match. Uh, that would have been a nice little fairy tale to, for Moana Pacifica, I think.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Look, they deserve the victory. I don't think. Um, you know, anyone would have walked out of Eden Park on Saturday night thinking otherwise. That was a fantastic performance by a team that's now, you know, 0 and 10 hasn't won a hasn't won a match all season, and for them to go out and I think the Blues until the Brumbies won on Sunday, the Blues were second on the standing. So it was really, you know, almost almost bottom of the top, and they went out and rattled the cage, didn't they, Moana? It was fantastic to see because I guess. We were maybe wondering if they had taken a step backwards in 2023 after you know a pretty honest and and, um, and you know it, uh, enjoyable really debut season uh, for a, a franchise. They had a lot going against them. You know they're really kind of cobbled together with um, a lot of kind of just sort of um, I guess extra part type players. You know it, ha- it hasn't been an ideal scenario for them getting this. Team up and running, and I think they're very much still a work in progress. But gosh, Saturday night showed um, when you know when they're all on the same page and and when they're motivated and 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 you know when they're sort of engaged, I guess, and playing the type of rugby you need to to succeed and to at this super level, um, you know they're as good as anyone. And it was a fabulous performance, and the Blues were well below full strength, Smithy, and and um, I suspect it was a game that maybe. They were thinking a little bit ahead to what's coming this Saturday rather than last Saturday mm. and nearly paid the price, didn't they? I mean, they got the Crusaders on Saturday night in a, in a massive match-up in Christchurch They could decide second spot. Um, there's a bit of a, a few other things to play out around that, but certainly um, the winner of this match will take a big stride towards finishing second overall behind the Chiefs, which is really important. You're talking home semifinals, so a lot at stake. On Saturday night, across East and you have to think maybe the Blues were guilty of, of taking their eye off the ball a little bit on Saturday night when really they got out of jail at the end.
2: Uh, Mark, obviously we've got to find uh, three super coaches. Was that uh, that result of great help for Aaron Major and the fact that uh, we might might have, uh, if this continued, might have had to find four super rugby coaches yeah. at the end of the season.
4: Oh, I'm not sure about that um, I think Aaron's going to I'm not sure he's in the Moana thing for long term I know last time I spoke to him he was very much of a mindset of getting things up and running and then passing it on to someone else I don't think he sees that it necessarily as as you know he, he's operating away from home his family's in Christchurch um or Dunedin even maybe I'm not 100% sure but either Dunedin or Christchurch but um um, I I think he he sees Moana as a temporary kind of thing for him anyway, so maybe um, who knows? Maybe he comes into some um, uh, you know into the focus for some other jobs. But I think his ambition mm. is to get this franchise up and running and then pass it on. But man, that that's three big holes to fill, and you know there aren't a lot of obvious contenders, so it's going to be interesting. Um, the one thing I would say is the three people who get the job, Smithy. Um, put themselves in, in fabulous positions because if you look at what uh, if you look at scott Robertson's coaching team the entire group has been promoted effectively out of what they've done in super rugby alone so super rugby is now clearly seen or recognized for the right people as a, as a direct stepping stone into the all blacks so you know you get one of these five super rugby head coaching slots you are on the elevator to you know to 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 the top in terms of your coaching profession so um, yeah there's a I think all three franchises many are going to take their time over this one because it's they're important calls to make really good people being being replaced big holes you know big shoes to fill and all that sort of thing so they have to get this right really and I don't see anyone rushing into any decisions here I think they're going to really take their time to survey the field see who's available And try and find, you know, the equivalent of Leon McDonald five years ago, the equivalent of Scott Robertson seven years ago. You know, young coaches on the rise who can really make a difference. So (laughs) interesting times ahead for sure.
2: Yeah, there are. Um, Interesting times ahead, I think, for Fiji and Drew, uh, potentially. Um, They're going to make the playoffs here if they keep going the way they're going. Um, That was a hell of a performance. What, 313 running metres compared to 88 with ball in hand against the Hurricanes?
4: Yeah, magnificent, magnificent, and uh, you know, um, I think we've seen it all year. At, on at home, they are one of the toughest teams in the competition to roll. I know the Blues came away last week with that thirty to fourteen win, feeling like that had been as, you know, almost as good a performance as they'd put in all season um, to get that result over there. And I know when, um a Blues assistant coach, Paul Tito, said to us on the Friday, he said. You know that that was a really good win, and he said, uh, "You know, I'm going to be really interested to see how other teams go the rest of the season over there." Of course, the Crusaders and Rebels had already lost, and now now the Hurricanes have, so they're they're fabulous, and they're a different team on their home track. Sadly, they probably won't get a a home quarterfinal. It's got, that's that's going to be a little bit beyond them because that would really be interesting. Imagine a team going over there having to play a knockout match. Mm. Um, you know that would be a tough proposition. But Jeepers. Um, what you know the color the just taking aside the competitiveness the, the the pageantry and just the special nature of these matches over in Fiji they really have added um, to the super rugby competition this year and I think probably it's a it, it makes you hope that Moana also look to up you know their m- amount of matches in the islands not only does it give them an advantage but it creates something pretty special for this competition. Those matches in Fiji this year with the full crowds and the atmosphere and the people singing and just the pure joy that rugby brings to those people, I, I, I just think it's it's something this competition needed and it's 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 really endorsed that decision made two or three years ago to bring these two teams in uh, because not only would they be good rugby teams, but they would add something to the competition and I think they definitely have. Sad Day was a great example of that and a massive Spanner in the works
2: for the Hurricanes There doesn't appear to be uh, Anything about thinking about next Week for the Chiefs, uh, they just keep rolling On and uh, put 52 um, On the Highlanders at the weekend Everyone is raving about their outside Backs this season, converting opportunities um, And I guess uh, That means uh, Ian Foster will be Taking some notice because it's traditional That when we get to the latter part of the season The All Black Selectors sit forward in their Chairs
4: Yeah absolutely, look I um, I think people have probably overreacted a little bit about the form of some people in Super Rugby, just in terms of, you know, what it means. They will definitely be being noticed. And we, we are, of course, talking about Amoni Narawa and um, Sean Stevenson. They're having fantastic seasons for the hurricane. established All Blacks at all. And, can't, you know, there's a big, narrow, big sort of wave of support for them. Um, they continue to play outstanding rugby. And as this competition enters the business end, I they're definitely being noted by the All Blacks coaches, but would they be would they be um, written in, in in sort of uh, indelible ink, as it were? Not yet. Um, All Black coaches are always reluctant to make changes in World Cup year, but we've seen a precedent, and we've seen it on the wing, haven't we, with George Bridge and Sevu Reese in 2019. So these, these sort of World Cup year moves can happen and can particularly happen in, in those outside positions. So absolutely, they're in the mix. Absolutely. They're right there on form and absolutely they will be um, being heavily considered amongst others. It's, a, it's going to be a great battle. You've still got Talia and Clark at the Blues playing fantastic rugby on the wing. You've got Will Jordan back now and, you know, he's had one game, so let's just wait and see. But that's a great sign for New Zealand rugby and also for the Crusaders to have him back and looking like, you know, he's, he's kind of finally left those issues behind him. So um, touch wood on that. Um, it's going to be a, a, one of the most fascinating aspects of, of I guess, the tail end of Super Rugby leading into that first selection of the All Black squad for the year. Just, just you know, how, how many players can play their way in out of Super Rugby. Um, it's tough because, you know, all um, runs on the board and I guess time in the saddle in terms of international rugby means a lot. And, you know, it's often harder to get out of an all Blacks squad than it is to get into it. the old expression. But you can't ignore form. And, and also, i put put maybe a guy like Hurricane Sukka Asafa Amua into that equation as well. Having a fantastic Super Rugby season probably isn't amongst the um, top guys in his position coming into this year. But is he now, you know, you have to think he is close. And the same with Sean Stevenson. and the same with the Money or Norawa. Fantastic seasons. And, man, the Chiefs keep rumbling on. The one thing I will say about the Chiefs, Smithy. Because remember last year, of course, the Blues won 15 in a row, and they were fabulous. And what did it mean come the Super Rugby final? It meant absolutely nothing. Mm. so I think the Chiefs will probably, you know, that lesson just, I think, sits there for everybody, and particularly for Clayton McMillan as they play out. They can't do any more than they're doing at the moment. They are playing outstanding rugby, aren't they? But um, I just think that lesson will be um, once the finals start, it's kind of all bets are off and it starts again and it's a different equation to get home in finals footy, but, man, they look well-placed. They're going to play all their finals in Hamilton. They're going to be really, really hard to roll. But when you've got teams like the Crusaders and the Blues and the Hurricanes and the Brumbies sniffing around, um, I guess, you know, playing their get-out-of-jail cards like the Blues did, I think you you would say, oh, put it this way, if I've got a ticket on the Chiefs to win, I wouldn't be looking to cash it just yet. I still think... You know, they've still got something to prove, Smithy. Can they, can they get home in the in the knife edge of finals rugby, but they're well placed.
2: Um, you've got your rugby hat on now. I ask you if we could take that off, and you wear it so well. Um, could you put your athletics one on just for a second uh, and yeah, review yeah. the performance of Zoe Hobbs at the Diamond League? Uh, finished fifth in a, <laughs> a very competitive race, 11.08, so below her, uh, uh, not her best time, but... Uh, Sharkari Richardson of the United States at 10.76.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was a, um, um well, I don't know, not spectacular performance, but a really solid performance from Zoe. And it's her first sort of, I guess, step out, stride out into the international component of the season after a. After a mind-boggling domestic summer, which she twice went under 11 seconds and uh, once with a bit of assistance from the wind, and once legally, it's a new territory and right into the top tier of women's sprinting on the world. Look, the mere fact that Zoe Hobbs got a start in this race, Smithy, which featured um, all eight athletes, you know, with best times in the in the 10 seconds uh, in women's sprinting, it was really a a bar um, one or two sort of notable absentees, the Jamaican. Woman who um, Elaine thompson hara and um, I think there's one other missing, but um, um, essentially it was a who's who of women sprinting, and there's Zoe Hobbs right in the middle of it, and finishing fifth, not eighth or not seventh, even sixth, fifth, middle of the field, just shows you how far she's come. Look, she's you know to have a world class sprinter out of New Zealand, it's mind-boggling. And 12 months ago, we wouldn't have thought it was possible. So how far she's come is Quite extraordinary, Smithy, and, and, and how far she's got to go, well, let's just see. She's improving, you know, she's on an amazing arc, and as she said after the race, at the moment now for her, it's about learning to compete, you know, in this company, and, and I guess bringing the best out of herself um, amongst amongst them on those big races is, 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 is the herd next challenge, and we're going to see her. have another couple of events like this coming up, one in Africa and I think one back in Asia, Um, As she just undertakes this first phase of her season Watch her closely, people This is a world class sprinter coming out of New Zealand um, To to the level I don't know if we've ever seen in our lifetime Um, You know, we've seen some amazing middle distance And some amazing field event athletes um, But we've never really seen a New Zealand sprinter do this So I just just would say sit back and enjoy the ride And watch this young woman as she continues to You know, blaze an amazing trail really for New Zealand sport
2: Mark Hinton, always a great pleasure to catch up with It's been a while, but thanks very much for your summation of uh, what happened over the weekend. And yes, we all look forward to Zoe Hobbs uh, in the immediate future. Uh, All the best. Uh, uh, Thanks for your time, Mark.
4: No worries. Good on you, Smitty.
0: Cheers. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the
1: voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
0: Jay Fasola, straight, bowling. He's bolded! Smithy's Cricket
1: Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand.
5: <laughs> he's called for two straight away.
4: And they're running for this. This is going to be close. Yeah!
6: Is that out or not? We will have a look.
4: The Bales, the bales are lit up with the ball hitting the stumps. Batsman short of the ground have a decision for the big screen.
0: A fitting way in terms of Matt Henry knocking the ball back on the stumps to
4: bring about the only victory in this five-match series as they clinch this one by 47 runs, New Zealand.
2: Yep, indeed they did. New Zealand batting first, 299, and Pakistan replying with 252. So Will Young, 87 from 91, may have done enough, may have done enough uh, to uh, ensure that he's uh, in the squad for the World Cup. Tom Latham will be there, 59. Mark Chapman, maybe. 43 from 33. That was the batting side of it. Uh, The bowling side of it, uh, well, Henry Shipley starred, uh, 9 over 3 for 34, and Russian Ravinda, 3 for 65 from 10 at a mil one for 34. So a lot more question marks, I think, too, over the bowling um, when it comes to that. New Zealand's next opportunity to um, to see where they're at in terms of their one-day cricket is against England. Uh, and then, of course, it's the World Cup straight after that. So you would think that the selectors, uh, whoever they are now, Gary Stedden plus one, uh, have pretty much got it nailed down. Availability of Kane Williamson to confirm that he won't be there probably and the availability, very importantly, too, of Trent Bolt whether he wants to be there um, uh, the keys uh, to secure that uh, would be massive for New Zealand's cause Uh, but that was it Uh, one win out of five in Pakistan Uh, wouldn't uh, read too much into that it was a side uh, to learn about things and maybe one or two players to make their name in higher tournaments we shall wait and see what happens with the Black Caps they get a breather now Homeward bound, 3.50 to go. They go to all parts of the globe and Digger took over. Out wide, Boob and Sheik looms up. Social distance right down the outside. Prismatic is starting to come into this as well. Closer in, Billy Bunter. Across the track, Cullinan over on the very inside. It's uh, Don't Tell Timmy Cullinan and out wide Prismatic coming with them also. So Billy Bunter, Prismatic ranged up for Owen Patrick Bossen. He'll be a Hall of Famer this time tomorrow at the line. Prismatic won its second over photos between Don't Tell Timmy. Me and Cullen Nan. Right there also Billy Bunter... Yeah, interesting uh, comments there from uh, George Simon. He read the room very well there, and that uh, wasn't it fitting that Opie Boston did have a say on horseback uh, at uh, Tarapa at the weekend, because uh, yesterday it was a very uh, special function. Uh, hall of fame inductees uh, do it uh, every couple of years and uh, the 2023 class was announced yesterday and rewarded yesterday at a special function in hamilton and uh, there and of course uh, one of the directors of new, Z- new zealand racing hall of fame is uh, mr steve davis who we know very well steve uh, good morning to you thanks for your time
7: yeah good morning uh, Smithy great to join you what a night
2: what a night, eh? Hey? Uh, I imagine there was um, some very, very pleased people and connections with those people because this, of course, is uh, a result of not just uh, one or two performances, this is a, uh, almost, in all these cases, a life in racing.
7: Yeah, look, I've got to say that's the one thing, and I've been involved right back when Chris Luone rang myself and Gerald Fowle and uh, a few others to get involved, Paul Maroney, etc., uh, I think what we've created is outstanding because you just see the raw emotion last night, uh, the tears flowing with, uh, just the overcome with the, the joy of being you know involved, inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, I mean, we mentioned Opie Bossom there, it was a great segue coming, winning the last, uh, into last night's function, I mean, he was really emotional uh, and so was Mike Moroney and others, you know, it just shows you what it means to people to be recognised by your industry, to, to being at the top of it.
2: Steve uh, was uh, not a case of if for OP and for most of these candidates actually it was a case of uh, when um, and the right time for OP you think clearly
7: yeah look I I think it's great for the industry I mean we saw that with James McDonald last year I mean it's like a lot of things it's great you see uh, they're still riding they're still at their, their peaks and uh, they're referred to Hall of Famers and I think it just Draws attention to the whole situation. The people themselves. You have got trainers that are still training. That are that are hall of famers. The likes of Chris Waller, etc. And I think it just endorses that they have already reached the levels, um, and it's to recognise them. And Opie's sitting on what 90 uh, Group Ones. His uh, his goal, as he said last night, was to to do 100, maybe 104, beat 104, which means uh, he would beat Jimmy Cassidy's record. So that's the goals that he's setting for himself.
2: Right, let's uh, look at um, Mike Maroney and Paulo Sullivan, two brilliant New Zealand trainers over the years, uh, getting their due reward.
7: Yeah, look, we uh, I know as a board we sat down, we couldn't split them in terms of they both deserved to go in. We felt uh, it would be fitting that both went through at the same time. I mean, ironically, they almost started their careers at the same time, too. I mean, Mike's career has just been further enhanced with going to, to Melbourne now. He's trained over 800 winners since he's been there, 100 odd million, and 50 odd Group 1 horses. And as we know, with with Paul O'Sullivan, he set the mark here with his father in the main himself and then obviously made his, uh, made an impact up in Hong Kong and internationally with a you horse know, like Aero Velocity.
2: Right, let's uh, look at um, two or three of the others whose names are not uh, so familiar to yeah. us because uh, a lot of their work has been done in the past. But I was reading this morning uh, the story of uh, Keith, Voigt, Keith Voitra. The, the uh, Keith dokey. Voitra, if
7: mate. A, that, yeah, I think that was the story. That is the story, and I think it's further enhanced, you know, Smithy, with the the passing of Dean Holland and the outpouring of grief, etc. we saw with uh, Dean Holland just recently. Uh, Keith Vortra only rode for 10 years. He started when he was 15. He died tragically in an accident, a a race fall in in Melbourne. Um, He had almost a year off in that 10 years uh, with a broken leg as well, so basically only rode for nine years. He set a record back in those days, in the 30s, of 123 wins out of 500 and something rides. I mean, the strike rate's huge. And in fact, it was only beaten by Bill Skelton uh, in more recent times. I mean, some would say Bill Skelton's a while ago, but it stood for a number of years. Uh, and you know, the interesting thing, and this is what you know, really heightened it for me, 60,000 people turned up for his funeral. Um, just incredible outpouring of emotion and uh, to be respected to that. I mean, his year that he had prior to his fall was huge and, look, it was beautifully done by uh, Annie Otway putting together the story and I think that was the one story out of all of them, Smitty, of people, Keith Woitre, who the, you know, who's Keith Voitra? And then mm. you, you hear this and you read about it and you say, that is absolutely outstanding and uh, it was Aidan Rodley from memory who sort of brought it to our attention, Uh, he's also on the board of selectors uh, for the uh, the Hall of Fame and to look at his record in such a short time you know, tragically taken far too soon
2: Bloodstock Executive uh, Michael Floyd which is a subject close to your heart
7: yeah well, I was still called him Mr. Floyd when he got there. he actually employed me. Um, he came out one day when I was auctioneering cars and uh, from there i I got to uh, join bloodstock uh, look he he was instrumental in a lot of things, but a lot of things that people probably just take for granted the transportation of horses the, the cataloging the system by which we select the sales um, and but most importantly was the move uh, the move from uh, Trentham up to Auckland and finding that location and building the facility he did and along with uh, and others so uh, he was certainly uh, one of the key figures and nice to recognise uh, Mr Floyd and uh, Michael, Michael Floyd in that way because of the, the impact he made I mean moving the sales from um, from uh, Trenton was, was huge, uh, a major call and uh, one would say beautifully placed now as we are at caraga
2: Nice stories too uh, about uh, George Price a trainer in days gone by
7: yeah another one of those sort of you don't realize um just how much they've done how much they achieved uh obviously spent a lot of his time in australia but he's still a kiwi uh and again it's these videos, and I asked people to go on and, and go to the Hall of Fame uh, website. Love Racing, I think, is going to be playing them as well. Uh, just, it's marvellously put together. And, I mean, the backstories on these people. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you could say, how come they didn't get inducted? Well, look, you, you spread them through the time over the, uh, the, over the different uh, induction meals we've had. So, uh, dinners we've had. So, look, uh, great, great story again about George Price and his success you know again heightening the the abilities of kiwis even though they may have been domiciled in australia
2: mm, absolutely and uh just finally on the the human inductees uh, ken austin owner and breeder
7: yeah, South Island man, again, I wasn't aware of it until, uh, again, we, we sat down as a committee and went through the deeds of him I and mean, we set up the uh, New Zealand thoroughbred breeders, uh, instrumental in, uh, and very much involved with Farlap, with the sales down at Trentham in the old days, and Inglewood Stud, and it was great to have the Wiggly family there. Obviously, Gus Wiggly now to the fore uh, with Inglewood uh, Stud, and just to, to trace that history through, again, a man who uh, perhaps some would have considered an Australian, but in, in the heart of hearts, he's a Kiwi.
2: And uh, two equine entries uh, as well, very elegant, uh, of course, and yeah. Beau Viet.
7: Yeah, Yeah, the, uh, had the carters there, and uh, great to you know catch up with what uh, she's up. She's, uh, in, I think, see the stars, they said she's in foal too. Again, you just uh, recognise her ability and the, and the question marks over whether she'd have run in the uh, the Melbourne Cup. Ironically, Bo we couldn't get a, a close connection uh, to Bo Veet, but uh, great, again, to uh, to recognise his abilities and what he achieved in his career. And the other one, of course, was Melody Bell. And, uh, Smithy, mm-hmm. if you ever wanted to see the great thing about racing, Melody Bell, we had 13 of the owners, 13 of the 36 owners on stage. We needed a bigger stage. They are still living the dream with this uh, this mare, and many of them have gone back in other horses. But... Uh, I dare say, I I can't imagine too many of them uh, owning a horse that's going to win 14 Group 1s.
2: Why wouldn't you, Stephen? You would be encouraged, even from a a breeding side of things, with uh, the season that uh, New Zealand horses are are currently Uh, having in Australia.
7: Look, it's exciting, you know, Posse, I mean, uh, John Thompson must be sitting back saying, you know, how good's life, you know, it's a of Aladdin and everything else going on from, I mean, Posse is the big horse, as uh, you may have seen at the recent sales in Sydney, a share in uh, Posse sold for 400,000 Australian. Uh, he's not a young, young horse, but uh, that's the, uh, the impact he's made with uh, the success he's had. Uh, and as you see week after week uh, the New Zealand, we're batting against our weight again, we're punching above our weight which is just great, Mm. leading into the sales going forward, uh, I think we'll see reinvestment from New Zealand I think great things are happening up at Ellerslie with the tracks, I think there's a lot of green shoots as these marketing people want to tell us green shoots showing in the industry I think it's marvellous
2: Steve, uh, sounds like a terrific night, well attended was it?
7: Yeah, look, full house. Uh, the full house went up. I think 290 people, that's all we can accommodate. Uh, and uh, I think everybody seemed to have enjoyed themselves. It was a, a good finish. We finished uh, well before time. Emily Bossum joined me on the rostrum uh, this year. We thanked Des Coppins for the past, but uh, Emily stepped in and uh, did a super job. And of course, she interviewed Opie, which was beautiful. Both of them were in tears, you know, it was just great to see the emotion, you know.
2: Yeah, and he doesn't, you look at Opie Boston, you know, and you you think he's achieved so much, but you don't often see a lot of emotion, do you, about him?
7: No, and that's the thing. I mean, the beautiful thing, we had Ebony Bell inducted, and, and, you know, you saw that with the post-race interview with him once down at Trentham, and uh, that's part of the video. But, uh, again, you know, just, and that's the exciting thing, Smithy, you know, is to see what being inducted into the Hall of Fame means to these people, and I'm so delighted to have been involved right back at the beginning and hats off to Chris Lawoney who was uh, the late Chris Looney who was instigator in getting this together and uh, you know I think it's uh, befitting of the industry. I've always said to go forward you've got to recognise and respect the past and that's what it does.
2: Steve outstanding review of um, all those uh, entries uh, inductees so congratulations uh, on uh, the work you're doing behind the scenes there and uh, congratulations on, us and, uh, on a really successful night and thanks for your time this morning mate
7: any time, Smithy. You know that. Cheers, my friend. Thank you.
2: Cheers, uh, Steve Davis. There, uh, of course, uh, he is a, a director, um, and you uh, know, on the New Zealand uh, Racing Hall of Fame. And uh, of course, just talking about uh, big night they had. I think at the casino in Hamilton last night, um, where they let their hair down. That would have been a beauty to be at. I hope they all behaved. It is uh, coming up to nine forty-five
0: in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
1: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
8: You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold
5: up, multi.
8: know when to walk away, and know when to run.
5: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Uh, we'll do the Rugby League a little bit later with uh, Greg Alexander. But yes, the Sharks to beat the Dolphins, I, I thought that was uh, a pretty good go. Uh, and they were absolutely uh, what pummeled out of it early on, I think it's fair to say. Celebrating Wayne Bennett's 900th, the Dolphins didn't let him down and they give him a hiding. So well, we missed out there. The Rabbits uh, to beat the Storm, yes, that happened. Uh, Reg didn't beat the Waratahs. They turned around and beat them up there in Brisbane. So that was a good result for the Waratahs. I don't have many. And Spurs did beat Crystal Palace uh, 1-0, uh, but that multi was gone early in the piece. So today we'll go for the Phoenix Suns to beat the Denver Nuggets at a dollar 66. NBA playoffs reaching a really interesting stage now. Uh, Major League Baseball we'll go the Dodgers to beat the Padres at a uh, dollar Neither of them have to go far to go to work. And uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders uh, to beat the Punjab Kings in the IPL later tonight at a dollar 87. So. Phoenix Suns into the Dodgers into the Cold Cutter Knight Riders, KKR, and uh, that will get you $5.58. $5.58. 8833 is our text number, uh, folks. Had enough of the referees, have you? Uh, Anthony has. Yellow cards for the penalties at the end of the Blues game destroys it. A little bit tough on the defensive team. They could yellow card every ruck in the whole game. There are always guys offside. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Anthony. Yeah, um, we'd love to hear. You know, we'll read them out. You get any comments about the ref? No problem at all. You want to join with uh, Jason Paris and go for gold? Uh, have a crack and uh, we'll read them out. Don't worry about that uh, because a lot of people um, have had enough. Even yesterday, people were still talking about the refereeing where I was. Um, and that is uh, without. Um, that was just the NRL game. But uh, obviously, um, Wayne Smith's comments too and his sentiments about turning rugby off. I mean would you ever think the professor of the game would turn the game off because he's had a gutsful of the predictability uh, about referees at uh, breakdowns uh, at length of advantage times you know I mean goodness me it's just it's just they find a, instead of finding a way to what uh, to, to keep the game flowing they always find a way to stop it that is what referees do it's almost it's written into their DNA into their doctrine Let's find a way to stop the game. Not let's find a way to carry on. Advantage is way too long. Once it goes through three or four sets of hands, they've had their crack. Get over it. 952 here on SENZ.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
1: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, uh, NRL Chief Executive Andrew Abdo has uh, already lashed out to to Mr. Paris's commentary as he confirmed an investigation was underway where we will do everything possible to protect our match officials and the game. Questioning their integrity is completely unacceptable. We are currently exploring all our options and will take whatever steps we believe are necessary to defend them. Um, But he was uh, unrelenting. Uh, anything uh, I'd welcome a chat, said uh, Mr Paris anything that leads to a fair and consistent playing field for the Warriors will grow the game even more in New Zealand and the NRL's Head of Football Operations uh, Graham Annesley himself, uh, referee uh, or former referee, is expected to address Paris's comments in his weekly briefing uh, this afternoon. Uh, we'll get some uh, thoughts on that I think uh, from um, Brandy Alexander just after 11 o'clock this morning um, but uh, very interesting. I thought the most interesting thing of the lot came from Andrew Webster when he walked into the press conference and says, uh, "Can I put the hat round for you guys and uh, you can pay my fine?" Um, because if I said what I thought, I'd obviously gonna get cop one. Would you? If you want me want the truth, uh, take the hat round and uh, help uh, help me pay for it. So I thought that was pretty pretty indicative of the whole thing. I suppose he'll get told off for that as well. Uh, it's coming up to ten o'clock uh, here on SCNZ. And uh, we're going to talk to David Dome. Of course, uh, Phoenix are out, which is uh, sad. uh, But they've acted very quickly. They've appointed um, their new coach in uh, uh, Giancarlo Giancarlo Italiano. Uh, And of course, uh, now they've come up with uh, a new coach for the women's side as well in Paul Temple. So we'll find out uh, about those appointments and his review of how everything's sort of popping along at this point. Uh, Also, we'll have a panel with Mark Watson and uh, Graham Beasley. Um, and uh, as I said, Brandy Alexander after 11, and uh, we'll also have a stumped smithy as well for $50 to start the week off. All coming up uh, as we look forward to the rest of the show here on SENZ.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the
1: stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, the football season is over now for the Wellington Phoenix after the men's side were knocked out to 2-0 by Adelaide United um, at Hindmarsh Stadium on Friday night. That puts uh, a bow on Ufuk Tule's tenure as the head coach. And just yesterday, the Phoenix also announced that uh, Academy Director, Technical Director Paul Temple would oversee the women's side going forward, taking over from Natalie Lawrence. So on the line with us this morning, Phoenix General Manager, David Dome. David, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. Uh, You guys don't muck around when it comes to appointing coaching success if you've done it twice very quickly.
6: Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We wanted to crack on. And the more time that these coaches have got to plan and get their support staff in in place and, and work on recruitment of new players, the better. So we wanted to give them the best opportunity and get them in place ASAP.
2: Right, that's great. Uh, Tell us uh, about the appointment process to find the coach of uh, the the women's side you appointed basically within uh, with Giancarlo. You've pretty much done the same thing with Paul, haven't you?
6: Yeah, that's right. So we had an end of season review with Nat, went through a a, a debrief, then um, uh, talked to Nat about whether she wanted to carry on um, and she said she wanted to go off in a different direction. So then we interviewed Paul and we always had Paul on our radar being our academy director but also because it's very important for us as a club. We, we want to bring through not just players, but coaching and support staff throughout our, our academy program. We want to develop these coaches, develop these support staff. And as he was, was Ufie's, uh 2IC. Uh, Paul was in our system. He knows our setup. He knows the players in the academy. He'll be very, very important for our uh, young women's team and uh, developing those players and bring them through for a pro contract. So it all worked very well. Paul interviewed. Uh, For the role, absolutely nailed it, got spot on. Uh, values, of course, are very aligned and had a very strong, very strong vision about how to take uh, the team forward and make sure they're playing finals uh, next season.
2: Were you you, um, relatively happy with their performance this year or or did you expect uh, improvement perhaps at a greater rate?
6: Look, there were some very, very good performances, no doubt about that. 5-0 at home, a win against Canberra, and then a 1-0 away win against Sydney, who eventually won the whole thing, and an outstanding performance in the grand final against Western, where they beat them 5-0, 4-0. Um, so there was some very good performances, but overall not enough to get off the bottom and, and finish last. So we, as we went through the review, those questions were asked, like, how, do we make, how do we make sure we're playing finals and we're not bottom of the table? Um, so we did certainly, win. we want to be playing finals every year, both teams. So that's the objective, the objective every year, and we want to make sure they're in that place. So there is certainly definitely some improvement, um, and we want to see that again when we go forward next year.
2: Right, okay. In terms of um, Natalie Lawrence's tenure, what what have you made of uh, how she set the club up going forward?
6: Oh, look, very, very well. Look, she's put us in some very solid processes. Uh, we've got very good um, players coming through, a lot of those at Natalie, and Gemma before her. So we've had two very good female coaches in our first two years, and I honestly believe that both Gemma and Nat are the future of coaching in New Zealand uh, for female coaches, and not just for coaching women's teams, but there's no reason why Gemma or Nat couldn't coach men's teams as they both have done in the past. So, look, we, we think there's a future. Uh, they just probably need both, like, Gemma's up in Wales now doing her pro licence, Nat's doing some more coach education as well at the moment, which is excellent. So we're particularly keeping an eye on those too as to future potential around the club. Um, But, you know, no, I think Nat's done an excellent job in her her one year in charge as head
2: coach. Uh, Paul has uh, straight away come out and said, look, the goal is to make the playoffs next year, which are uh, fairly lofty goals, I think it's fair to say. But in terms of playing personnel, how active will you be in the recruitment market, if at all?
6: No, no, very active. So as part of uh, Paul's interview, those questions were we'll put on the table. What would you do? Who would you sign? Who would you not re-sign? If you could go get some import players from outside Australia, New Zealand, who would they be? What would they look like? And he was very solid in that, in that part of his interview process. So, you know, we'll be active. Um, he's now started on that. He's actually on his pro-license at the moment this week in Christchurch with uh, OFC. But he'll start that process. He's already started talking to players, our existing players he wants to keep. But uh, we're also going to go back to market and find players. We've been strengthening the squad to make sure we are playing finals before. And the thing is with the women's team is a few key positions can take you, can take you a long way in, in ALW. And uh, we're, we're not going to be wondering. We're going to have a decent look in it.
2: Right. OK, let's uh, get to the men's side of things. And uh, whilst it was uh, the end of the season, not the way you, you wanted it to be, what it effectively means too, it's uh, goodbye to Ufuk Tele who's uh, decided to step away as the men's coach. You've already gone uh, very quickly with Chiefie, as you say. Um, when you look back at Ufuk's uh, tenure, how will that be regarded from uh, the Phoenix point of view?
6: I think Ufuk did a magnificent job. It's a very trying circumstance. You've got to remember that two and a half of the seasons were COVID and, uh, you know, impacted. Uh, I don't know. His first year in charge, we were flying high. We were, you know, we were a top 14 for most of it. In fact, we ended up all... And um yeah, we could have easily gone on to the finals. And unfortunately a fourth place position would have been a home semi for the way into Phoenix and we ended up playing that at Sydney because of COVID. Just and it was devastating and you know, we were in such good form and just couldn't push on and then a couple of uh the last season we uh we just pipped out in the first semi final, we lost 1-0 to Western United, uh, who eventually went on to win the whole thing. Could have easily gone another way and they ended up, you know, yeah you know, uh convincingly beating most teams in the finals and we only lost 1-0 to them. Just, you know, really unfortunate that his time was affected so badly by COVID, but he's, he's, he's done a magnificent job with the players that he's got. He, 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 the other thing for me, was that he, he was just he acted with integrity the whole way through. He was always open and honest. He was one of these coaches that gave 100%. He was, he was passionate about the club and doing the right thing and that's, you know, in terms of a head coach, that's all you can ask for. Someone's got to act with integrity and honesty the whole time and give you a hundred percent. And he's done that the whole way through.
2: David, you're uh, talking about the characteristics of a bloke that might have made a very good uh, um, uh, All Whites coach, then, aren't you?
6: Well, I, I honestly believe that that would have been fantastic for the All Whites. I think he would have, you know, when we were when I was talking to Oofy about it, he would have brought a real intensity to that role. A lot of experience, you know, in terms of what he's done both within Australia and New Zealand and and his experience. He he was heavily involved in the um, uh, the Australian national setup as well, so he does have that experience with him. Yeah, I mean,
7: those calls were
6: outside our our pay grade. That was made by other people, but I honestly think that was a missed chance. But it is what it is, and Luffy's moved on, and he's he's got other opportunities on the table, and we wish him all the best.
2: Yeah, absolutely, we do. Uh, also, of course, uh, you lose a couple of senior players um, with the uh, culmination of the season. So, uh, the likes of uh, Ollie Sale, Clayton Lewis, heading uh, overseas. Uh, have you got um, any opportunity to, to look at replacements for those key players?
6: Yeah. So, uh, Chippy TPG and Carlo's already onto that. Obviously, those were we made we those decisions have been made uh, in the last probably six weeks that we were we were across that and what we were going to do going forward and. And again, as part of Chief D's interview process, he went through how we've replaced those players and what his thinking and strategy is on that. So we're pretty comfortable where he's going. Uh, but now he's got the job, and like I said, the season's just come to an end. But he's, he can now factor that into all his pre-season planning, and we can get on with it and start talking to players, and he can start uh um, agents onto recruitment and other positions as well. So, yeah, look, they're, they're, certainly in terms, of, in terms of previous seasons, he's pretty well advanced in that space. and um, yeah, look, I'm I'm sure that he'll do his due diligence. In fact, if you look at Chiefy was really Ufi's right-hand man when it came to recruitment, and, and Ufi's got a very, very good track record in selecting players. If you look at the players he's brought in for club like Uli De Villa over the years and Oscar Zavada this year, I mean, he's got, you know, right. his, his, his experience is pretty good in there. And chiefy the selection of those players got in front of Ufi. So, That's one of the things that was in in Giancarlo's favour was the fact that he was very good, very strong in that position, and we we retained that with um, him going forward.
2: Is he strong enough then to uh, guarantee that um, your leading goalscorer, Oscar Zavada, may well be interested in perhaps coming back?
6: Yeah, so Oscar's got another year next year, and and that was a factor, certainly for me, when we went through the process was, I mean, Oscar's our jewel in our crown, he's uh, the leading goalscorer and he's a quality player, and uh, the, the risk of the change in your manager is that, you know, can you, can the second manager coming in get the same out of that player that the previous one did? And of course, Chiefy's worked with Oscar the whole way through and there's a, there's a respect there and a mutual trust there and, and it certainly lessened the risk of, uh, Oscar, uh, uh with Chiefy coming through. So Oscar's got one more year and we'd, be, we'd definitely be keen on signing Oscar for more years that we can get him to stay and we'll have those conversations with him and I think with Chiefy now, been
2: given the role that makes it potentially just that little bit easier. Yeah, last uh, week the Phoenix did hold their uh, annual awards. And uh, Michaela Foster, what uh, terrific ground she's made up. I mean, she looks a very powerful uh, left uh, left back for me. She's an incredibly strong left foot. Uh, what a season for her, and uh, hopefully, World Cup uh, status for her very shortly.
6: What a player. Just to come out of. You can't you can't really say she's come out of nowhere. She's just been in the United States studying, which is you know fantastic for her as a player. And then Nat found her and brought her back in. But the, Mickey's that one that quite unique player. She actually can kick off both feet. She doesn't have a, a stronger or a weaker foot. She's both left and right footed, which is hugely you know unique in, in our code. Um, and, and she's just and besides that, she's just a very very good player. So give her a couple. You know, she's only young. She's in her mid twenties. Give her another year and, and as a full time pro. Another couple of years, and she's just going to go from strength to strength. And like you say, drop into the ferns, hope the post and the World Cup, get some more experience, and just keep an eye on her in the next couple of years. She's going to be, uh, uh, she's already a very, very good player, but I'm, I'm really excited to see where she gets to.
2: Yeah, I am too. Actually, I, I was very impressed with uh, her uh, latter part of the season. Uh, David, interesting last night, uh, Sydney FC knocking over Western Sydney, which might have been a bit of a surprise to some people, but there was a lot of emotion uh, in a Sydney derby, which uh, leads me to uh, the next question is, uh, how keen are you to see an Auckland side in here so we can have a New Zealand derby? Yeah,
6: so that's been bandied about. Uh, Look, we're... um I don't want to say agnostic, but we're certainly, you know, we're not going to stand in the way of an Auckland franchise. I think it would be good for football in this country. It would be a challenge for us in terms of the commercials, obviously. We have games at Eden Park every year, and we'd have to reevaluate those, whether those will still work for us. Um, and most of our commercial partners are Auckland-based. So it would certainly impact on that, but we're up for the challenge. And like you say, you know, a Wellington and Auckland derby would be fantastic for football in terms of driving, um, you know, interest in the game. Uh, so look, we're open to it. And the, the issue, of course, is you've got to find somebody who's got a financially back it, and it's not insignificant, the dollars. You know, they're talking 25 million Australian Australia just to buy in. And then I would suggest for anywhere between 1 to 2 to 5 million in the first year to set it all up and then probably 1 to 2 million thereafter for at least another 5, 6 years. So, you know, you're looking at around 30, 40 million someone's got to find to be competitive in this league. Um, and it's not small, it's not small change, and if we know that that money's not available, it's not hugely uh, available in this country, so you have to find an international backer. I think there are some locals, but they need to find the ones i with a deep pockets from overseas, I'd suggest to really bankroll it. But, yeah, like I say,
8: great for football in the country.
2: And uh, you personally, David, uh, what's uh, you've mentioned recruitment and that sort of thing as being Hi, on the agenda, but uh, what does uh, the general manager of uh, the Phoenix do now that we've put a full stop on this season as such? What, what's next?
6: Well, we're straight into pre-season planning now, so we go from this into working now. We've got, a, we've got a lot of activity we want to do in the off-season. There's also the Women's World Cup coming up in July and August. We want to be make sure we're across that and how we can utilise that to, to push more uh, players through our women's programme now and, and pick up some more players and hopefully... Go to the next strength in the women's program, um, and obviously get recruitment underway. And we're looking at our academy. We're constantly looking at the academy. How can we grow that out? The are, you know, incredibly successful. But there are some really, some really amazing talents in that academy. Not only in players, but in coaching and support mm-hmm. staff. We'll look at how we can build that out. And, how we can you know, change and morph the academy be not just a, a football academy but can we turn it into an education academy as well where
7: when we already have
6: an AUT diploma slash degree in the academies. So we've, got, we've got about uh, 14, 15 young people doing an AUT degree um, in our academy at the moment. Like, how big can we make that go? Can we have 20 kids on that, 30 kids on that? Can we turn an education product, we have uh, uh, like a secondary school running through our academy doing football at the same time. So Mm. Lots of ideas, lots of plans, it's, it's it's hard, to you've got to nail it all down, and that takes a lot of work, and that's what the, um, the off-season, once you're in season, it's more difficult, but that's what we do in the off-season, and, and then we've got, of course, memberships and ticketing all got we set up, we got to find grounds for next year, we've got to find grounds for women's team next year, I
8: mean, it never stops the city, it's a, it's a, constant, it's a constant battle, that's for sure. It's
2: yeah, a constant battle, all right. Uh, actually, just let I just uh, raised um, my eyebrow a wee bit there because I, I know budgets are a big thing, and you're constrained by that kind of thing, and availability of talent from overseas, etc. But it's a, it's a nice uh, little scouting pad, a World Cup, isn't it? For um, There'll be some very talented players floating around the world that come here who have never been heard of, who are young, who are looking for an opportunity to play in a league like the A-League, etc. It just opens up the door on all possibilities when they're bringing them to you on a plate. David?
6: Well, I, I, I think you might have actually been sitting in on Paul Temple's interview there, because that's certainly one thing that he said. You've got all these countries here... Um, all these players floating around. If you like the lookable one, just to shoulder tap them and say, have you ever thought about playing a season in Australia New Zealand? And in fact, it's, uh, uh, Sweden is staying at NZTIS, our, our high-performance unit up in up um, in, in there. They're actually staying on site. So if you come in there and they, they've got some five-star accommodation uh, that they have on site there, if you stay in that facility and say, look, if you like this facility, because it's world-class, undeniably it's a world-class facility, and if you attract, you know, just to have a, a shoulder tap on some of those players, like, would you like to live here for, you know, six, seven months a year, play in the um, uh, A-League W in Australia, New Zealand, and you can train here. It's not a bad opportunity.
2: I like it. I like the concept. Um, and I would imagine uh, you'll be taking a, a lot of interest in that World Cup coming up, which is, man, not too far away. David, always great to catch up and hear your views on how things are tracking. Uh, congratulations uh, on the appointment of those two coaches very quickly i love to see that, to give them that opportunity as you uh, outlined. Cheers man, thanks for your time have a great day Thanks Mubi, appreciate it Cheers, uh, David Dome there of course um, in charge of the Phoenix and uh, he has not been sitting back uh, the general manager has been very busy with uh, appointments of Paul Temple of Giancarlo, uh, of course Italiano Chiefie, as we will get to know him in the uh, months and years ahead um, and yes, what a smorgasbord of talent, um, some of which will also be uh, contracted around the world in various uh, teams, but there will be some that aren't, and I'm sure, um, even with um, probably a smaller checkbook than most, you might be able to attract them here. It's 10:19. Interesting.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is
1: Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions,
5: the
0: panel. Talk, talk, let's talk to me, yeah.
2: Mark Watson with us this morning and uh, Graham Beasley. Uh, so we've got plenty to cover here. Um, and let's start with you, Graham Beasley. The Black Caps, uh, they win game five, they lose the series 4 1. Will Young to the four, Henry Shipley to the four. Uh, what have you made of this uh, exercise in Pakistan?
8: Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think on the whole, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think that. Um, that the Black Caps can take something out of it. Um, I mean, it it seemed to me it was more like a sort of set of five trial matches rather than uh, uh, a normal ODI series, if you get what I'm meaning there. Like, for example, uh, Daryl Mitchell didn't play overnight, so it was more about giving Young and Nicholls the chance at the top of the order, um, uh, and Blundell too, um, rather than trying to win the game as such. Now, obviously, they won it. Um, the winners out of the to, uh, would, would, um, would certainly be young. I think that he's now probably pencilled his name in for the, um, for the squad for the World Cup in India. Um, not so much Henry Nichols, although I've got some sympathy for him because they played him at number six in, I think, three of the matches, and, and, and that's not really his position. If he's, if he's going to play in the World Cup, he's got a bat in the top three, so I don't quite know what they were trialling out there. Um, a player that interests me is Mark Chapman, I mean, obviously, he's a really good uh, uh, T20 player, and we saw that in the um, in the T20 part of this tour. Um, a couple of forty odds off thirty odd balls is great in a T20 game. I'm not sure that it's what they want out of an ODI player. Um, I think he he's going to be really on the cusp of of the um, of the World Cup selection, and I'll actually put him in the same category as. Um, uh, Finn Allen, really. I think both of them are really good T20 players and would be, you know, to the first names you would put down on the T20 side to play in a World Cup. Whether they're ODI players or not, just yet, I'm not sure. So, um, so there's a bit of thinking to go on there, but I mean, I think that the second stringers did, um, did really well. Um, and, you know, you talk about Shipley, I'm not sure that he would be in the 50 over squad the world cup but um yeah but clearly he's a he's a talent that they'll um uh, that
2: they'll be keen on managing right uh of, of course with us also is uh, mark watson who does uh, so much work here on uh scnz anyway um what i, I touched on it briefly the other day but I, I just wonder whether um you had a chance to perhaps even see the race or review it uh, zoe hobbs uh, mark hinton talking quite positively about that performance this morning fifth in a field of that magnitude um, and also um, a, a, a little tribute to Tori uh, Bowie. Um, that was very sad news last week.
9: Yeah, you never want to see young athletes um, or athletes of ilk dying at such a young age. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, look, it's, 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 you just don't wish that upon anyone. You don't wish that upon her family, um, friends, the country, and also, you know, clearly a wonderful athlete. I mean, any Olympic medal, they don't hand a lot out, so incredibly sad. And, um, yeah, thought you know, thoughts go out. And I know it, it sort of has rocked the athletic world as such. In regards to Zoe Hobbs, uh, yeah, look, you know, she's in that top echelon of the sprinters now. She just needs to be given those opportunities on a consistent and regular basis. And I think, with the right conditions on the right night, um, I think she can do something. You know, ver- you know, I think she can do something extraordinary. Uh, you know, well below that sort of ten point nine seconds. Uh, she hasn't raced for a while, so I think that probably worked against her a little bit. I'd imagine she would have been incredibly nervous. Um, don't underestimate too. Just you know, the travel factor and all those other things in it, and perhaps not. Perhaps you know, not doing that on a consistent regular basis as perhaps a lot of those other sort of A-list 100-metre runners. But, yeah, it, it, it's strange though, isn't it, Smithy, that we go back last year and somehow Athletics New Zealand couldn't find a way to pick up for the Commonwealth Games. So I, I still just scratch my head on that, um, both on the men's and women's side, you know, and it's an area that needs to be addressed because there's a lot of lesser athletes across a lot of other sports that seem to be able to get to the Commonwealth Games um, because their standards are just far lower. And, you know, we've got to reward these athletes. We've got to, you know, they're aspiring. They've said, hey, I want to chase the dream. They're chasing the dream. They're trying to do it legitimately. And I think, you know, there are just certain things when you've got the fastest female in the history of New Zealand 100-metre running. um, You look at whether it be Weldon or whether it be Nikisha on the men's side, you know, the fastest 100-metre runners on the men's side in history, and they can't make Commonwealth Games teams. So... Um, yeah, hope, hopefully some lessons learnt there and yeah, we should be incredibly proud of Zoe Hobbs because there are just certain sports that I think are just so much harder to get to the top and than others and um, the 100 metres is certainly one of them
2: Right, uh, Mark Watson Graham Beasley with us this morning here on the panel, we shall take a, a very quick break for uh, some news from Aroha, uh, when we come back uh, plenty more to talk about I'm pretty sure Mark Watson might have something to say about uh, the CEO of one New Zealand Jason Paris in his comments that's kind of me for my thinking anyway that's right up Mark Watson's alley we'll be back shortly the panel right we got Mark Watson with us this morning and Graham Beasley and before we get to uh, the rugby league and uh, perhaps the refereeing side of things um, Graham Beasley uh, an upset for the hurricanes in the weekend how'd you see that
8: Yeah, it was, Um, but the thing is, Smithy, I didn't see it at all because it was played in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday and uh, at 2.30 on a Saturday afternoon, it's club rugby for me. So I was at Helsing Park um, watching my beloved OBU actually go down to Johnsonville, I think for the first time ever. Um, So, yeah, so I was at that, I missed it. And what actually intrigued me is that there was a guy um, uh, standing along for me who yelled out um, he he was obviously uh, following the Hurricanes game on Tribe who yelled out, oh the Hurricanes lost and it was met with laughter around the (laughs) ground, so this is at a Wellington club rugby match between OBU and Johnsonville, these are all Wellington fans, Hurricanes fans supposedly, and was met with laughter, so there's kind of a disconnect going on in rugby at the moment between uh, club rugby and super rugby, and I'm sure the Watto will have some Thoughts on this as well. But uh, yeah, I just thought that kind of reamed it home a bit, really.
2: Before we get to wato though, that's a terrible afternoon for you because one, your club team loses, <laughs> two, the hurricane yeah. loses, and three, you, you're not eating out at Batoni where you have your lasagna. So you missed out on all three. Exactly,
8: exactly you're right. Um, yeah, so yeah, there aren't quite the culinary options in Johnsonville that there are in <laughs> Um And you're right, although in both cases, if you were to lose to a side you would kind of pick that I mean you know to lose to the juror, I mean it's not like losing to the Crusaders or the Chiefs so there's that to lose to Johnsonville isn't so bad because the previous week we thrashed Marison Pats so thrashing Marison Pats kind of makes the season really it doesn't matter too much what happens from here on in so um, at least we lost the size that you can kind of take you know <laughs>
2: you sound like my mother actually when it comes to Marist teams anyway uh, moving along uh, let's get across to uh, Mark Watson and um, mark you no know doubt you've read uh, that um, mr Paris Jason Paris the CEO of one New Zealand yes. might be in a bit of hot water as the NRL now look uh, to see if there can be any ramifications or any moves that they can make over his comments uh, what have you made this whole thing
9: oh, look I think it's uh, look I think he's endeared himself really nicely to the Warriors fans, I think it's sort of a very populist approach. Uh, is there a conspiracy against the Warriors? Well, I mean, if you talk to Ricky Stewart and you hear Ricky Stewart, there's conspiracy against the Canberra um, Raiders. If you talk to Wayne Bennett, there's been plenty of conspiracies against his side over the years. And so we've got to be a little bit careful. We tend to look at things purely through our eyes. I'm pretty sure that if you went across and had a chat to some Penrith fans, they'd probably be absolutely scathing. It may be some of the decisions they perceived that went against them, Uh, Look, you know, it's gone from Vodafone to One New Zealand. How much of this is a marketing ploy? How much of this is just drawing attention to One New Zealand and getting that well and truly... in the mindset of the, the their target market, which I think is a much younger audience, they say perhaps what Spark is. Where he's got to be careful is starting to come out and saying that the referees basically, you know, behind their backs betting on the Warriors. Uh, you know, you start to get into some pretty sort of serious areas here, where you start to bring individuals' reputations into doubt based on little evidence, and that's where I think you've got to be careful legally. I you know, haven't named names, but. You know, clearly, I think those referees in the middle of the park might be able to turn around and go, hey, hang on a minute, you've damaged my reputation here. Um, So he's got to be a little bit careful there. But look, I mean, look, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Clearly, as I said, I mean, a whole lot of Warriors fans will be just agreeing with everything he said and they'll be reinforcing this great conspiracy theory. Uh, what, What can the NRL do? Probably not a lot. Uh, but at the same time too you've also got to have radicals you've got to have people that do jump up and down because as much as the NRL hate it they will look at it they will sort of see if in fact there is any bias they'll go back and have a look at some of those decisions but this thing about protecting referees at all costs I don't agree with that they are a big part of the game um, we've seen it in rugby sort of the British and Irish Lions with the two French referees and they basically constantly give an immunity Um, And, you know, every week there always seems to be discussions around the referees. And I think there needs to be uh, maybe a more uh, public way of uh, reacting to some of the outcry off the back of games and and being able to be maybe, um, you know, actually take people through the process and why they came to decisions. And look, if referees do get it wrong, and referees will get it wrong, I don't think it's ever intentionally. And so it's a simple case, I think, of referees coming out of the referees saying, yes, we did get it wrong. And look, I know the NRL in the past have dropped referees for poor performances, and so I know they Mm. are reviewed. Um, But yeah, I'm probably more keen Smithy, to get your
7: view on it.
2: Uh, Look, I watched it. Um, I'd had a couple of uh, pints, so I wasn't exactly looking to the ins and outs of the game or the overall spectacle side of it. But it it does seem, you know, for me, Mark, when you send a player from the field of play, whether it be for 10 minutes or what, um, you are, uh, you've got to be very, very sure of your action and you've also got to be very, very consistent going forward from that point onwards. That's what I'd like to probably like to say. Uh, and that is, I think, is, uh, what the Warriors um, fans are saying. It's not that they're saying um, our guy uh, was partially treated. It's just saying the other side do the same thing and it doesn't appear mm. over a long period of time is if they cop the same punishment and I think that's the message uh, there uh, it's an interesting one for me in here too Graham because uh, even though it would have been tongue in cheek and met with a lot of humour within the press conference when Andrew Webster says to the, the journalist uh, fellas you cover my fine if you want my honest opinion on the pan- on the loss to the Panthers um, yeah, I think he's, he's almost I won't say deliberately sparking something there but he, he has unintentionally wound a few up
8: Yeah, he has but I I just think the Warriors fans shouldn't get too carried away with this and they need to look back a few weeks and that win over the Bulldogs was via a try that could easily have been overturned so even though probably um, overall they do get the rough of the green and and, uh, that, that tackle on Harris um, by the premiers player over the weekend, there was definitely a yellow card given. What was just issued to the Warriors player a few minutes earlier. So, so you know, so they are getting the the rough end of the of the stick or whatever. But. I just think to blame everything on the refs the whole time is a really dangerous route to go down. Um, you need some accountability. It wasn't the refereeing that cost the Warriors the match over the weekend. Um, so ev- even though they are, they are getting done a little bit, I think it's, it's a bit of a dangerous route to go down to just sort of constantly every week blame it on the refs.
2: Right, uh, Premier League results, um, and uh, Man U lose 1-0 to West Ham, which gives you Liverpool people, Mark Watson, a possibility of Champions League qualification. What a season.
9: Oh, they're choking, aren't they, Manchester United, beaten 7-0 by Liverpool, and ironically, it could be their greatest rival, their greatest enemy, who potentially knocks them out of Champions League football next year. How much weight is going to be on the very last game of the season? Manchester United, Man City. Uh, Man City, it could end up ultimately being the the final, the final of all finals. Manchester United, their chance to play in at the highest echelon in Europe next year um, and and potentially prevent Manchester City from winning the EPL and handing it to Arsenal. So that's the beautiful thing about this game. This is what Super Rugby doesn't have at the moment is the unpredictability. There are very, very few games that don't have a lot of weight on them or don't have any weight on them in the English Premier League. You've still got Spurs fighting for UEFA Uh, league championship you've got a wonderful battle at the bottom of the table to see who stays Mm. up and who stays down desperate win again for West Ham to making sure that they're well and truly um, out of the relegation zone and so yeah it's just such an intriguing it's just such an intriguing competition just so many narratives constantly supporting it so you know even around the transfer market around the managers and it's a model that uh, yeah, rugby need to look at It's just a wonderful competition And go the mighty Liverpool
2: Go the mighty Liverpool We haven't got the song queued up uh, Because um, you didn't actually win yourself Oh, I'll, I'll Hold up, we, we can cue the song up I'm not sure if Graham Beasley bring and myself Want to go yeah, through you
9: it Sing along
8: with me no, if you want Come on mate, sing along What's happened to Klopp's hamstring? Or was that just all put
9: on, was it? No, six weeks. Six weeks. He said that if he was a player, he'd be up for six weeks, but he's not a player. So, um, yeah, his hamstring went, mind you. Uh, but, but again, you know, his hamstring works. There he is running in front of this. What happens in rugby here? You know, I know they just sit up there and they have no emotion and no one talks about it. And it's left to the 80 minutes in the middle but of the But again, you know, while, while like we're talking about people talking bagging about refs your, in the
8: but, NRL, what, what, what about Klopp's performance last week? It's graceful. No, oh, it's not. It's part of the game. It's beautiful.
9: I mean, imagine if rugby <laughs> had Carlos Spencer back again, doing the fingers to the Crusaders and brought some colour back to it. I've said this to Smoothie before, Graham, and I, we've got to stop... These organisations have got to stop sitting down with these marketing companies pretending that everybody's perfect, we've got to have the perfect product and we've got to target the family we've got to be of the highest... Sort of moral elk rubbish. We all love, we all love a scandal. We all love a little bit of a train wreck. That's why yeah, so many don't people running and spitting in the face. That's
8: so
9: a <laughs> No, but Brilliant. that's the emotion. Sport is about emotion, isn't it? You know, we got to bring it back, man.
2: Oh, we've got to have Beasley and Watson together again. Talking, it's as simple talking, as that. We.
9: No, but we're talking, about the, we're talking about the CEO of One New Zealand for being irrational, for doing something. But, hey, the sport is at the forefront of people's minds. People are talking about around the water cooler. I guarantee there'll be a lot of interest this week in the Warriors game. There'll be a lot of interest in the referee. What's rugby got? Oh, You know, honestly.
2: <laughs> Actually, uh, we'll finish on that. You can hear it in the background. And uh, here's a question we'll, I'll ask you uh, next time you're on, Graham Beasley, because we haven't got time. But Costa said, Morning, gentlemen. What's wrong with Maris and pets? Do tell. Amen, Costa. So Graham Beasley. Where do you, that where will do be you on,
8: start, that, Costa?
2: <laughs> that's on your. That's on your menu next time. Uh, it's 10:43. Thank you, gentlemen. A lot of fun. Appreciate it.
0: experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
1: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: John has come in and said, I'm a referee and I picked that penalty try for the Blues four scrums back. That's how obvious it was going to be. Yes, as soon as they got depowered, uh, effectively Moana Pacifica and, uh, you know, set pieces are uh, always a bit of an issue. Um, you take uh, People out of the scrum, they got no price, absolutely no price. So uh, we're not moaning about the, that decision as such. We're always saying it was just uh, when you uh, take people out of the game um, you know, in a yellow card situation, whether it be rugby or rugby league, you have to be very sure of what you're doing because you know the influence it's about to have on the game. And in that particular instance there uh, between the Blues and Moana Pacifica, it was painfully obvious what was coming for uh, the side looking for a fairy tale win, their first one of the season. So, a, I, I guess whilst Blues fans will say, God, we got out of that. Thank God we got the points. We're still uh, up there. I think we're third now behind the Brumbies. But uh, we'll take it. It was uh, an ugly win, as such. Um, uh, the Moana Pacifica supporters thinking, um, hard done by it. And a lot of them don't understand the intricacies. Of some of the decisions that are being made because they're there live at the game they don't have uh, the explanations being made to them as such um and um all they're of the uh, just to see their side do well and hopefully win one time um and they just about did so you, you do feel for it but uh, I, I don't think uh, there was too many people saying it uh, wasn't warranted under the rules that are at the moment richard At yesterday's joint Marist uh, Pompelia under 13 tournament, referee Mark Struan played advantage at every opportunity. He also explained to both teams what rule they were getting penalised for. It was fantastic to watch and listen to. Yeah, look, uh, the rules are there, aren't they? The rugby, and people said, a lot of people say they should throw the rule book out and start it all over again. Uh, That might um, uh, lean towards the the changing of the nature of the game, the style of the game considerably, wouldn't it? Uh, But to be fair, uh, the best referees, they will say, and uh, Bryce Lawrence, etc., are the ones that get the interpretation of the rule right 100% of the time. That's the ultimate performance for a referee, and they are marked. They are looked at by their peers and other judges, and uh, they get reported on. Uh, internally, as much as anything else, we don't see the benefit of uh, or anything to do with those reports, but uh, we, w- they do, they get monitored, their performance gets monitored, and I think what you're looking for, um, and it sounded like you got it yesterday, Richard, with uh, Mark Struan, is consistency and clarity. Consistency and clarity. Um, and then if that's the case, um, you know, so be it. Hey Smithy, uh, appalling ref, uh, refereeing this year in the NRL especially against the Warriors a very cons- inconsistent they don't even uh, seem confident in what they are doing especially with this hip drop tackle um, yes Jase, I, I think the hip drop thing has become uh, a real issue going to be talking to Brandy uh, Alexander in around 10-12 minutes time uh, when he finishes his show in Sydney, be interesting to, to see uh, what he made of the whole weekend experience actually up there in uh, the magic weekend in queensland uh, but also um hopefully he uh, ran his eye over the warriors performance too and he can perhaps put some clarity on some of these issues from uh, an unbiased point of view even though he's panthers uh, seems rubbish that canes and landers have average teams yet the crusaders blues and chiefs have players that should be starters on their bench It's uh, all about the money, not the game Imagine a game where all the best players play every week Well, uh, there is the competition that, uh, Josh, it's called the NRL Um, (laughs) And the spread of talent um, seems fairly even on that, doesn't it? It is uh, coming up to 10.53 here on SCNZ
1: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ 10.58,
2: uh, trying to uh, get quickly across to uh, Paul Mawari Who will sum up the options for us today Including the NBA, I guess, Paul
5: yeah, that's right. It's uh, game four in the, uh, Western Conference matchup between the Suns and the Nuggets. That's, uh, currently 2-1 to the Nuggets in that series. And they're slight outsiders today. They're $1.92. The Phoenix Suns, $1.83. The boys have put up a number of power plays. I also put up, uh, a boosted market. Durant and Booker, each to have 25 or more points, five rebounds and five assists. That's been boosted out to $4.60. If you have a look at the uh, power plays that the boys have put up, and they've put a, quite a few up, um, I was talking to the, the uh, Kimpy and Izzy this morning, and uh, one of the most popular power plays uh, was Durant Booker and Nikola Jokic to score 100 uh, or more points combined. That's paying $4. Very popular with punters. And congratulations to those punters who backed Wyndham Clark in the PGA Tournament uh, today. Yeah, the top price that he was got at ninety six dollars, um, and he's come out on top for those guys.
2: Ninety six bucks. I actually had a bit of a go at Sandy Shoffley, and now I watched his body language. He played club golf today. Paul played club golf. One guy played professional golf, and the other guy played club golf. Can't believe it. Pissed me off.
5: <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, Smithy. He did. He did look like a wee bit of a hacker at times.
2: He did. Okay, Paul, thank you very much. Have a terrific day. We'll keep an eye on that to NBA. Uh, That is NRL after the break, though. Uh, We've got Greg Alexander coming in. The legend that is Brandy coming in from Sydney as soon as he finishes his show.
0: Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind
1: the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Did you get a chance to look at that? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it, mate. Yeah. I get asked this every week. I'm going to take a hut around and get you guys to pay for my fine. Uh, if you all want to chip in, I'll, I'll give you
9: whatever
7: you want. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was uh, Andrew Webster uh, as uh, he started his press conference uh, the other day. Uh, one New Zealand Warriors coach, of course, uh, being very careful about um, the NRL refs, um, more on that very soon, but uh, the magic round of uh, Brisbane for the NRL has come and gone for another year, uh, this is where all the teams come together at Suncorp Stadium to celebrate the best footy has to offer, and live there on the spot was uh, Greg Alexander Brandy, good morning to you, uh, a raging success would you class it as without looking at individual results?
10: Uh, every year it is Smitty uh, And this year no different uh, Magic round, sellouts every day For the three three uh, days of, of footy And triple headers Saturday and Sunday uh, Kicked off with a double header on Friday Raging success uh, As it always is And Brisbane we've been talking about This morning on our program uh, You know, Does Brisbane deserve the right to have it They've certainly got the contract For the next couple of years um, And besides the Besides the time difference, which just m- makes it very difficult to have it in New Zealand, I think most people said, well, the Kiwis probably deserve a-, a crack at it, but the time difference just about rules that out. So Brisbane is really, I think, the only place we hold it. I don't think Sydney could do it as well, and I wouldn't take it anywhere else that isn't a rugby league town. So Melbourne's out. Adelaide and Perth, no. So it's... uh. It's Brisbane's, and, and they do it fantastically well.
2: Right, uh, let's uh, uh, get to the games or reactions to the game. I'm not quite sure if you've uh, across this. The, the one New Zealand uh, CEO, of course, is Vodafone. Jason mm-hmm. Paris has uh, been outspoken on Twitter uh, about that refereeing performance, looking at the integrity, of course, of uh, the referees and whether they're actually taking a backhand or having bets on it, actually, to make sure New Zealand don't do well, which is... Uh, stretching it a long way, I would imagine, and Andrew Abdo has come out uh, to that effect, just to see where this will head. Um, what What is your overall reaction to
10: it? I, I can understand the frustration of fans, um, and you know, even though he's in a position of you know being a, a a boss of a of a company that has been a long-time sponsor of the the Warriors, uh, I, I guess he, he's making those comments as a fan, so. You know, fans get up uh, frustrated with refereeing decisions. Um, uh, I don't know what the the league do about it, Smitty. I don't know if they can do anything about it. I, I don't know if they can force anything to happen to uh, Paris, the, the the boss. But uh, in terms of his commentary around it, I you know, I, look, I I guess if you're watching it through warrior eyes, you you would be mm. outraged at some of the decisions. Yes, I can I can see that. I can see that so um, but then if you're just a, a neutral observer of games that the Warriors are playing in you know there's there, there's always some tough calls there's, there's tough calls on, on most teams every week like you're watching it through your your eyes your fan eyes uh, well mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of things that the general uh, the general watcher of the neutral watcher or like me a commentator we don't Tend to notice that much, we know, and we don't certainly get irate about it. But um, I can understand the frustration, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I do too. Um, I was watching it in a pub actually, and uh, the guys were unanimous um, about their reaction to it, and it was quite vocal as well. So, and that's when you take a look at it, I guess. And but they'll be back next week. We all know that. Um, mm. And just, you know, I think what we're really looking for before we get onto game specifics is clarity. And consistency. Uh, is that what you saw at the weekend?
10: Uh, yes. That's well. That's what that's what a fan wants, um, and and sometimes you don't get that, uh, which which can leave you frustrated. So I, I look, I've, I've been in that position position, Smitty, uh, as you know. Mm-hmm. Certainly not haven't said what the what the uh, one New Zealand man came out with, but uh, I've been in that position where you just think, well, it's all it's. Is, is it real like you know are they are they being fair income the referee so uh, understand a fan being being upset
2: right let's uh, get on to um, that uh, performance you no doubt uh, we're, we're watching it uh we keep saying it the warriors are brave in defeat uh, the problem is they are losing a bit uh, but too often at the moment now they've slipped out of the eight uh, so they've got some uh, remedial work to do what did you make of that performance uh panthers warriors 186.
10: I, I thought it was the best game of the weekend in in terms of footy closeness. The game wasn't uh, was in the balance right up until the you know the the last Penrith try was scored. So, in terms of physical good football played, I thought that was that was probably the pick of the the games over the weekend. Um, Penrith were, were were battered and bruised by the end of it, and the Warriors were game. But you're right, Smitty. They uh, you know they've been game, and they were very good last week and the week before. But they they went down to the Roosters in a tight one, uh, lose a tight one against the Panthers, and all of a sudden there's a bit of heat on them now to to start earning the two points and get themselves back in the eight, even though they're only a, a win out of it. But uh, mm. yeah, a little bit of pressure now to to turn those good efforts and those uh, those near wins into into gaining two points and getting themselves back up the ladder and because they deserve to be, you know. But the Dragons have lost five in a row two and uh, lost by narrow margins. They find themselves down the bottom of the table. And no one talks about, you know, the fact that they were beaten in close games and probably should have won three out of the five. Um, if it doesn't reflect on the, on the table, well, uh, there's not much sympathy for you, is there? So they've got to start getting the two points.
2: Really good weekend for uh, all the Queensland sides. Uh, beginning with uh, the Broncos, very emphatic over the Sea Eagles, thirty-two to six.
10: Yeah, if I, if I was if I was disappointed, and we certainly touched on this during our program this morning, in that uh, the, one of the disappointments out of the out of Magic Round was Manly. Manly were insipid in that loss to to the Broncos, who got Payne Haas and Ezra Mann back after sitting out with uh, hip drop suspensions the week before. Uh, and very it was comprehensive, manly, never in the game. Broncos, uh, very good. And sit on top of the table now with eight wins, uh, 16 points, and have a big game this weekend against the Melbourne Storm, uh, who were probably one of the disappointments over the weekend, the Melbourne Storm. But uh, yeah, all, the, uh, all the Queenslanders yeah, winning.
2: Yeah, they were. Uh, and I, I watched very closely. There's a lot of romance uh, about uh, someone who's coaching their 900th game and there was a great focus and I love the coverage actually because they, they kept going inside the Dolphins dressing room as much as 40-50 minutes out from the game and there he was Wayne Bennett sitting alongside guys and just pacing around etc and my God I did not pick this I've got to say I, I'm, I'm backing the Sharks to go a long way in this competition I did not see that, that start coming.
10: I don't think anyone saw it no that, that, was, that was the shock uh, and, and again one of the disappointments was the Sharks performance now they're without a couple of their front rowers. Uh, Hamlin Ueli uh, went down last week. Toby Rudolph's been out for, for a number of weeks now and still you know, sitting on the sidelines for for quite a while. But Hamlin Ueli also ruled out last week after copping a, a knee injury off the back of a hip drop tackle. So it left them a bit short with big men, um, but very disappointing. The Dolphins jumped a 30 nil lead and, and just kept scoring uh, and really never in doubt, never headed. So... Uh, an incredible performance uh, it was highlighted by you know the the 900 games for Wayne Bennett um, and you know he's, what a job he's done because uh, they are I, well the dolphins are one of the stories if not the story of the opening 10 rounds of the competition dolphins sit you know they're in the top 8 they they've won games that no one gave them a chance and This was one of those games. After the Sharks beat the Cowboys as easy as they did last week, Smitty, everyone was... And I know Vossi said, well, I think the Sharks can win the comp. Well, the Dolphins showed them something at at Suncorp Stadium this weekend.
2: They sure did. Um, My group uh, were talking about... um, that They thought probably the most impressive performance of the weekend was the Rabbitohs, who continued to gain momentum uh, 28-12 over the Storm.
10: Uh, yes, made it five in a row, and they've beaten some uh, some pretty high flyers in those five games. So um, another another win against uh, one of the heavyweights, the Storm. Uh, a little disappointing, but South very good. Cody Walker, uh, brilliant again. Some nice touches from Latrell Mitchell. Uh, some classy touches, but their forwards are getting the job done. You know, you know, unheralded and don't, and don't get as much uh, credit. As they probably deserve, but Tom Burgess, outstanding Totola, back from injury, Jai Arrow. It's a very good middle, led by Cameron Murray, their skipper, who uh, who was just week in week out one of the best players in the game, uh, and they're all getting the job done, and, and it's a classy outfit. Before the season got underway, Wait. Smitty, I thought I yep. thought Panthers and Souths would play the grand final this year, um, and Souths tracking nicely uh, to do that.
2: Absolutely, I and mean, the Panthers, uh, through all their um, <clears throat> all, all the little things that have uh, happened to the Panthers, they still sit third on the table. I think a lot of people forget that. So they're they're knocking on mm-hmm. the door, and uh, when it gets serious, you know they're going to be there. You, you used the word insipid to describe the Sea Eagles. Uh, what would you describe the Roosters then, uh, going down uh, twenty to six to the Cowboys?
10: Uh, yeah, another one. Another well, pr- might have might have been in terms of odds and you know. N- money. Um, you know the the Cowboys were big outsiders off the back of what they've been doing for the for the opening nine rounds. They've been they've been searching for for performances that just haven't been there. And this is a team that most people thought would finish in the top four, definitely in the top eight. Uh, the rain came, I think, at the wrong time. Now I don't want to blame the rain on the on the Roosters' performance, but they they didn't handle it, and the, it it hammered down for. Uh, you know the opening 15 or 20 minutes the field turned into a bit of a quagmire uh, and it suited the Cowboys down to the ground the the Cowboys obviously have had uh, a lot of chat about where their season was heading and uh, their effort was remarkable and it sort of turned back the clock to 2022 and what they based most of their wins on and that was their defense and they got that right against the Roosters Smitty and there's a lot of people asking questions about the Roosters, what's their best lineup? Where should where should Joey Manu play? Where should Joseph Swali'i play? Uh, do you bring Sam Walker back into the fold? Uh, back rowers, uh, front rowers, there lots of Roosters fans wondering what their best lineup is and I guess Trent Robinson is too. He's trying to work out what his best combinations are. Um, but yeah, that was a that, that was a turn up. That one. The Roosters not handling the wet weather.
2: Back to back for West Tigers. Uh, Narrow, it has to be said, but uh, 18-16 over the Dragons.
10: Yeah, well, the Dragons found themselves in a situation where they could have won the game at the death, but they just got it wrong, and and that's been the Dragons' season. They've they've lost five in a row, but they, they... could have easily won those five games, Smitty, or even, or at least got to extra time in some of those games if they kicked goals. Um, but easy to blame the goal kicking. Zach Lomax was uh, sacked after last week's performance. Um, but the Dragons had their opportunity, but just couldn't convert it. And the Tigers, fantastic, great to see them win. Like they're, they're, you know, no sides copped it like the Dragons, uh, like the Tigers have. Uh, the dragons have now overtaken that've they've, they've grabbed the mantle and uh, we gave some odds sports bets odds this morning and the dragons are now the favorites to win the wooden spoon so very quickly has the uh, the heat turned on the dragons oh, I, I don't know what they do I you know whether you know plenty of talk about a- Anthony Griffin getting sacked does that I don't know does that help them or not um, it's a hard thing to know what exactly happens at the dragons. But the Tigers, yeah, two wins in a row. Grab the Panthers last week, big win against them, and back it up and get it done against the Dragons. So a bit of hope coming out of uh, Campbelltown slash Leichhardt slash all their other home grounds. (laughs)
2: Titans uh, getting up over uh, the Eels 26-24 to complete a magnificent round for those uh, Queensland sides. Uh, the other thing that uh, is just creating a little bit of a rumour or two on this side. Just wondered if you've been hearing anything on the other side. The thought of uh, perhaps Sean Johnson sh- uh, signing with West Tigers next season. Have, have you heard any rumours, any sniff about that? No.
10: Well, that's that, that, yeah. There was there was a bit of there was something written about it uh, late last week, Smitty, and we, we discussed it here. I, we I'm I can't see Sean Johnson coming back to Australia. Like, I I just don't think it would happen. You know, I I think, um, you know, he looks happy. He's playing great footy at the Warriors. I I can't see him moving back and playing for a side uh, that's doing it as tough as the Tigers are. Uh, I don't know what the feeling is in New Zealand, but that doesn't sound like a good move to me. I think the Warriors re-signed Sean Johnson because he has been so good. Uh, and if they think he's got another year in him, but I can't, I can't see him coming back to, to Australia, now.
2: Right, OK. Um, just uh, finally, uh, Brandy, before we let you go, you've had a big morning already. Um, thank you for that. Uh, just the three matches I, I'd like to just perhaps briefly look forward to. They all happen mm. before Saturday, actually, for me. Uh, Storm Broncos, Thursday night. Uh, Panthers, Roosters, Friday night. And, of course, our own uh, Warriors, Um, up against the Bulldogs on Friday night as well. Bulldogs going down to the Raiders 34-30 at the weekend. So Mm. uh, what uh, what do you make of, uh, first of all, perhaps our chances against the Bulldogs, yeah?
10: Uh, Yeah, good chances, absolutely. Like, you know, the Warriors, uh, the Bulldogs, uh, sitting below the Warriors on the table. So the the Dogs, you know, the Warriors, if they play the same footy that they have been, uh, every chance of getting a win. Um, In fact, I'll be tipping the Warriors... Smitty um, uh, that's an early early call out uh, I, I've tipped this morning because we had Cameron Smith on uh, and we, we always do between 8 and 9 on a Monday morning I think the Storm can upset Brisbane I think the Storm will bounce back after a pretty ordinary performance against Souths I think the Storm uh, bounce back they beat the Broncos the Warriors beat the Dogs on the early Friday game and then the Panthers get the Roosters um, out there at Blue Bet Stadium in the late Friday game So there we go Three big games uh, And they're my three yeah. winners
2: Okay um, well, I would imagine that A hell of a I mean, You wouldn't even have any time uh, To socialise as, a, as a, <laughs> a unit The Fox Sports team uh, En masse arriving into Brisbane To shame you're so busy You probably wouldn't even had a chat To have a beer and a, a chance to have a beer and a chat Would you?
10: Uh, pretty full on But did squeeze a couple of beers in On Saturday night Ian yes Just a
2: couple just yes. a couple. It I've seen good. your couple. I've seen <laughs> your couple. <laughs> uh, hey, Brandy. you oh, always yeah. great, great, great to catch up, mate. Uh, thanks for very much for your summation there, and uh, just putting a balanced view on the refereeing side of things as well. Well, we'll just wait to see with interest whether anything comes of that. But as you say, I'm not quite mm. sure they can do too much. Uh, to be honest, no, it's probably I don't more think likely they to can. be. More likely to be reprimanded within his own ranks, uh, I would imagine, from the board. But it uh, might not even happen there. So, good on you, uh, Brandy. Always great to Thanks, catch Brady. up. Thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Cheers. 11:20 here on SENZ. Yep, balanced uh, view there from Greg Alexander. Uh, the texts are still coming in, and uh, about the refereeing side of things. And I, I, you know, I don't mind that either. I really don't mind that, Logan. I like that because you know what it means? People actually care. People actually have an opinion. People um, they feel disappointed. I mean, I, I like that. I really, I really do. And and you know, as I said, clarity and consistency. Um, and the sending off of uh, the guy on debut, um, I, I thought that was probably the harsh one. When you looked at the treatment that um, was dished out to Torhu Harris a little uh, later on, uh, super Supercooler. now—they've done nothing. Uh, in terms of disciplinary action about a closed striking incident. (laughs) Now, I would imagine, doesn't that sum up the referee's decision to remove him from the field of play anyway?
3: Yeah, look, to me, Smithy, I think Sivakula just got, uh, he was a little unlucky because Nathan Cleary's big fat chin got in the way. (laughs) That's that's the way I see it. But, I mean, there's definitely two schools of thought that I'm seeing from the Warriors fan base uh, both this week and last week. Uh, I mean, it's a narrative that's Quite likely, just going to keep on going throughout the season as it doesn't has has done in previous years with the referees and the warriors. There's their conspiracy theories, and you know, there's fans that definitely look at the game on a deeper level and think, look, we can't just be blaming the the refs here. We need to be better. We need to be more disciplined. Uh, we need to have a bit more. You know, firepower and our decisions and everything like that. But then on the other side of things, Stuff actually have a poll up right now. Uh, it's their weekly Yeah Nah poll. And the question is, are the Warriors being robbed by the refs? Right now, there's 2,500 votes. It's only been up been up for uh, about two hours. 85% say yes. The refs are the Warriors' biggest enemy and those that um, would be counting against it,
2: I would be thinking uh, are rugby fans who don't care that much <laughs> to be honest and they'll be voting no just for the hell of it, devil's, devil's advocate vote, uh, but it is it is it's very, very interesting and uh, we'll, we'll just see what, what plays out, look we're going to get to the sports desk very shortly so we'll take a break here on SNZ
0: Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is
1: Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
2: Indeed. What is making waves on
3: the sports desk this morning? Here, here's Logan Swinkles. Uh, well, first of all, Smithy, the waves at, in the Bay, San Francisco, the SAIL GP uh, grand final is all wrapped up. It was Australia v. New Zealand v. Great Britain. Australia have won, taking home the $1 million US uh, prize. They're completing a hat-trick of titles. New Zealand's falling uh, in second, six seconds behind. I think Great Britain were about another 20 to 25 seconds behind so great showing from New Zealand in their second season, uh, they finished 5th overall in their inaugural season finishing 2nd this time around great result from the boys
2: Does that million bucks, would you know if the million bucks
3: goes back into the syndicate to cover a cost or does it actually go to the sailors? Uh, probably goes right into Will Sling, ah uh, not Will S- Will Slingsby, that's my mate uh, probably goes right back into Slingsby's pockets <laughs> who knows? <laughs> okay if- Good luck to him. Okay, well, it, that is a good
2: showing, and it was an absolutely major success down in Littleton, so uh, it looks like it's here to stay, which is a great thing, a sale Grand Prix, and, um, yeah, okay, um, there was another Grand Prix this morning. I think Verstappen got up. I think um, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what Aroha highlighted in the news b- before.
3: Yeah, and, uh, man, Miami really put on a show, didn't they? The uh, All the stars were out, Vin Diesel, Kamala Cabero. That was just, It was all out there. Big, big showing there. Uh, LA Cool J throwing it back to the 90s. So they definitely like having the uh, Formula 1 there in Miami, which is pretty cool. But uh, sticking with American sport, Smithy, uh, Bronny James, currently ranked as the number 19 prospect in ESPN's 100 uh, for the class of 2023 and son, of course, of NBA superstar LeBron James has announced his commitment to USC as of yesterday on his Instagram. Uh, He's considered one of the best point guards in the US. There were talks of Bronny bypassing uh, the NCAA for a year in the Australian NBL within the Next Stars program uh, before declaring for the NBA draft and the New Zealand breakers were included in those rumours, but that's obviously all been shut down now. Uh, proud dad LeBron congratulated his son, and while he isn't completely sure uh, about all his great grandparents, he believes that Bronny is the first person from his family to go to college. Uh, LeBron himself bypassed college and went straight to the NBA out of high school. One of the very last to do that. He's been LeBron has been quite supportive uh, of his boys and following their own basketball dreams. LeBron quite frequently mentioning his desire to play in the NBA along. Alongside Bronny, uh, he's now in his twentieth season. So it's not entirely out of the realms of possibility because if Bronny left USC after one season in 2024 mm. and then landed uh, a gig in the NBA through the draft, LeBron would be turning 40 during his son's rookie season. How cool of a story would that be if that came to came to be?
2: Well, it's about the only thing he hasn't achieved, isn't it? To be honest, I mean, and and it would be absolutely romantic. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you've got to admire um, Bronny uh, for making that decision Education is as well as important to him When you know full well he doesn't have to go to work I mean uh, what his old man's got in, in the bank um, Really does mean if he wanted to go straight to basketball um, Then quite he would have the means to do that It's not as if he's playing for his uh, financial life here So you've got to admire the kid's decision there Um, We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, That makes March Madness even more. Imagine him walking around campus. (laughs) It's Bronny. Hey Bronny. Hey boy. How's it going? Yeah, Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah, good on you.
3: And USC (laughs) is a big school. Uh, Game four between the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors is today. The Lakers lead that series two one. And I found this uh, before we go to Stump A bit of advice from LeBron James actually to the younger members of his team. I thought this was quite good.
11: This series is every other day. You're playing a game. Narratives get changed and shifted each game. I know you're used to this. How has your team, have you been able to evaluate your team and how they handle you know, things that are being said outside yeah. from day to day? Well, I think just for the young guys that hasn't been a part of the postseason or haven't, you know, not much experience in the postseason, just stay off the TV and stay off social media. Um, you know, you, you, you win a game. Everybody's the greatest player in the world. You lose the game. they they throwing dirt on you It's literally that simple, you know, it's all about, you know, training your mind for You know, the next challenge, you know, what's the next challenge this game is over with we play well, okay, cool, but We got another one on Monday, you know, so, you know um, If you got a show to watch or if it's one of your favorite movies or if you like listening to music Or if you are reading books or whatever the case may be or playing cards with the family, whatever you know, but you, know, you stay off social media and, uh, and when you watch the other playoff games, watch it on mute play some music in the background. That's what I do.
3: So great advice there from LeBron James. The, t- the uh, time difference uh, caught me out there. Smithy, their next game, he said Monday, it's actually Tuesday, so that's 2pm for us. Mm. What games there are today in the NBA? It's about to get underway now. The Nuggets v the Phoenix Suns. And then and already today, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers bet the Boston Celtics, Ricardo's Boston Celtics, by 1.116 to 115 in overtime. So that series is now tied to all. Okay, interesting. Thanks for that. It
2: was the sports desk uh, with logan this morning uh we've gone a little bit late into the second part of the hour but we don't mind that because uh, we we'll would like to get that information out to you but it gives us the opportunity too to tell you it's uh, 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 is our phone number and we're playing for 50 bucks 50 bucks to start the week this morning and uh Aroha is here with the news while uh, brian waits for your calls
10: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy.
8: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
3: It's a new week here on ACNZ Mornings with Ian Smith playing a bit of Stumped here. $50 TRB bonus bet up for grabs. It's 11.36 now, but uh, set your watches for in a couple of hours time because at 1.40, staff is going to have the one New Zealand CEO, Jason Paris, on the show, Smithy. That could be quite interesting.
2: It will be quite interesting, actually. There will be a lot of uh, excerpts being played from that interview, I'm sure, on uh, other shows throughout the later part of the day and even maybe tomorrow morning. So, yeah, that's Jason Paris um, and uh, his comments, if you haven't uh, read them on social media, basically just saying the Warriors um, are victims on a regular basis of uh, biased refereeing. Basically, it is biased refereeing, that's what he's saying. you know, um, as opposed to just incompetent refereeing, he's uh, looking at the other aspect of it. So that will come out very shortly. There will be no such thing involved in our game, though. Our refereeing is absolutely above board. There is no cheating. Uh, it is just the most honest process, and that's why we lose most days.
5: So,
2: who have we got
3: lined up here, uh, Logan? We do try, and I believe our third umpire is probably uh, the most honest of the lot of us, Brian Lardity. Uh we go going to Brenton and Auckland first. Come in, mate.
2: Hey,
3: boys, how are you? Yeah, good. Brenton, how are you this morning?
2: Oh, I'm good, mate. Love listening to the show, like always. Good on you, pal. Rightio, let's uh, tell us, uh, Brenton, what uh, his subjects of choice are today.
3: All right, this is what you can choose from, Brenton golf, basketball, and rugby. Take your pick. I'll
8: take
11: golf.
3: All right, good luck. <laughs> golf. One of Ian Smith's great loves in the world. First question Hannah Green won the last round of the LPGA Tour the GM Eagle LA Championship what country does Hannah represent?
4: She's Australian.
3: Just a
1: couple of chips down the wicket right in the slot and away it goes.
2: Sure is Smithy. She sure is actually very very good golfer too just by the by. I think um, if I, my memory serves me right Styrus and uh, Dool played in a Pro-Am um, prior to one of the women's events uh, I think there might have been the one that was held up in Auckland and they played with Hannah Green said she was an absolutely wonderful
3: person very very good golfer but a wonderful person as well so yep, Hannah Green Alright, <coughs> sorry second question for you Brenton who won the latest round of the PGA Tour being the Wales Fargo Championship?
2: I was watching this bit of this, this morning. I think it was. Uh, what was his
3: name? Clark? Will Clark or something? Or what's his first name? Maybe Clark. His last name was Clark, I think. Oh, I may have to defer to the third umpire. Do we allow just Clark or do we want the second name?
11: First well, name. The, se- first, the, name. the f-
8: first name.
3: The first name is what. One- it, it, it sticks out when you hear it. I, I I th- and
11: i believe smithy would know it so i think we do need the f- we need the first name
8: is it uh, Wyndham
1: Wind- or something i remember seeing him on the leaderboard
3: this morning windham clark or something like that there's a couple of chicks cool? to the it right in the slot under it goes as you say smithy <laughs> no we Absolutely. we try, we try to be above board here with our rulings that's,
2: no, we always give everyone a fair opportunity and uh, Brendan was uh, able to come up with it so congratulations now Thank question you. three Brendan good luck on this one
3: alright now we switch to the DP World Tour who won the latest round there at the Italian Open
2: uh, that was Adrian Mur- Murnick or something <coughs>
1: <coughs> that's not couple of Chips it
3: Right in the slot, under way it goes. Three for three, Smithy. You didn't even have a chance.
2: Nah, Brenton knows his golf uh, more so than the yeah. Brenton I don't know down in Hawk Space. So Brenton from Auckland's got intelligence and does research on the game. This one down here does not. Um, so I, I think that's uh, I think May Ronk, um as so uh, either from Poland or somewhere around there. Um, I think not very. I think is a rare winner from that country anyway. So uh congratulations to him and to you too brenton congratulations thanks, brenton from yeah, Auckland. you get you, you get the first 50 of the week man stay on the line brian will get your details have a terrific week man
10: thanks mate lucky i'm a good golfer too
2: yeah wow well, what's your handicap ah oh, no it's not that good it's of 10 at the moment smithy ten? Ten, 10 what's wrong with 10 what's your what's your home course uh, I'm I'm just playing around the broader because I got two kids so I, I can't justify the full membership so I'm playing a bit at uh, Oni Fero or and my main course used to be Howick, Howick Golf Club up in Auckland. Okay, right. All of, oh, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Ah, man, you maintain a 10 yeah. handicap without being a full-time golfer. You've got natural ability, mate. I congratulate you and as i say stay on the line and uh, we'll hear from you again shortly but when we hear it's you we're taking golf off the agenda okay is that fine <laughs> yeah i've got to follow all three tours now smithy because you've got Danny lee you've got fried fox fame PJ, and dp and you've got daniel hillier so I'm right into it yeah. yeah it's a great sport it gets great coverage brenton from auckland congratulations sir you are our first winner from the weekend it is eleven forty-two here on senz Time to read out a, a few more texts, and thank you very much uh, for them. Sammy from Arrowtown. Hey, Smithy. Brandy, Brandy won't be giving us his honest opinion. Here's Panthers through and through. Turned his back on the Warriors years ago. To absolutely get an honest opinion, you need to get Kempy from Bloke in a Bar, an ex-Warrior, but through and through Bronco supporter. It is a great footy podcast. Uh, most uh, Aussies will brush all this stuff off while laughing. Um, and uh, I agree that uh, most of them won't give it much credence at all. Um, And um, Sean has come in and said, consistency is all you ask for, Smithy. Yeah, you're right. A game after the Warriors, you get a player striking out, Latrell Mitchell, and nothing gets done. Um, And um, the same theory, uh, Kane has come in and said, uh, Latrell Mitchell strikes twice to his opponent, didn't even get penalised. Favouritism to the stars. Uh, Dan has come in on a different note, said, I get sick of ref whinges. Uh, get on with it. After club uh, rugby, the same guys go on about the ref week after week. Definitely a table to stay away from uh, when you go to the bar, I, I guess uh, that's what Dan's um, uh, Aiming at the hinting at there, you yeah, pick a, uh, a, a bar, a, a table at the bar where people are going to be talking about the game as opposed to the officiating. Uh, you couldn't find one of those tables at my bar yesterday. Uh, right, let's have a look at uh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin from Te Tarang. he always comes in with a a uh, fairly good summary of the weekend, and he's uh, done it again. Uh, fabulous weekend of sport. NRL brilliant. You buy a seat for two days, and you watch six games. Warriors went OK. The ref, I thought, was a bit slow on the uptake. But, hey, that won't change. I'm finding the rugby a bit boring. The amount of kicking and arm out does your head in. The cricketers went well. Batted, uh, young batted very well. Finally been given the position he deserves. I see Ravindra as a very improving player. Bat and ball. The permanent out of form number six is now at number three, um, and that would be uh, Henry Nichols. Might have been last chance for Henry Nichols. Don't know. I wouldn't uh, rule him uh, sneaking in the back door of that team for the World Cup. But uh, having been at the last one, they might think that. But there's been a lot of water under the bridge and a lot of failures um, in that time. Too many, I think. Uh, for the role that they wanted to play in that team. However, we shall wait and see, and I won't be surprised. Uh, The the get-out cards must be coming now. Racing, congratulations, Opie. Racing, uh, absolutely, Opie, and to every one of those recipients, uh, a lot of them posthumous now, and those that uh, are not, uh, who have been uh, put into the New Zealand Racing Hall of Fame. We spoke to uh, Steve Davis this morning about it. Absolutely fantastic, and Opie Walsham at the very top of that list, and still going on with gold. 91. Group 1 wins Opie has got 91 He wants uh, uh, 9 to make 100 He gets I think 104 or 105 He goes past Pumper Cassidy uh, And that is something That's a record you probably thought would not be broken So uh, there you go Uh, Hey Smithy Uh, Joey says I'm a good mate of Brenton He's a bloody burglar Yeah right on a 10 handicap (laughs) Thank you very much for that Joey Uh, right, Make a mental note of that for Brenton Will you uh, uh, Logan Next time he comes up He's not an honest 10 handicap here we go, uh, e- uh, EPL, and significant results this morning. Uh, Newca- uh, Newcastle nil, Arsenal 2, which means Arsenal stay in the race. They put pressure on Manchester City, yeah, it's theirs to lose, but Arsenal are going uh, to make sure that they have to win, keep winning to do that. West Ham 1, Man United 0. Yes, uh, great result for West Ham, pushes them at 37 points. Uh, that, is for mine anyway, that's clear of the relegation zone. Bearing in mind there's still five teams fighting it out below them. Uh, And for Manchester United, um, a missed opportunity to go above Newcastle into third spot. So squandered there. Apparently a huge error by uh, the goalkeeper. Now tomorrow morning, there's some very interesting games in in the EPL. And they're all about relegation. Fulham against Leicester City. Brighton uh, up against Everton. And Nottingham Forest against Southampton honestly, tomorrow morning is so defining for the bottom part of the EPL table, it's something we'll focus on too because it means so much to stay up, so much money, so much prestige. It is uh, coming up to 11.52 here on SENZ.